This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's up, friends? Welcome into episode 37 of Press Pass. I'm Kayla Anderson, along with my lovely co-host, Gabriella Giovanni And Ella, guess what? We are in Philadelphia, like we promised, in the same city doing this podcast. But guess what? We're not even in the same room. <laughs> we had some technical difficulties this morning. I am currently sitting in my sister's room while Kayla yep. is in my dining room. This is correct. Because it was echoing. So we were like, okay, we were so excited about doing this side by side, but we're going to have to do more uh, research when it comes to doing that next time. We're technologically challenged is what we learned. Well, I already already knew that, but we had, we, that was reinforced today. It was, we, we figured that out again today that we were not technically savvy, Um, but we've (laughs) had a great weekend here in Philadelphia. This was my first trip ever to the city of brotherly love. And I must say, I have had a great time. Your whole family has done such a good job in, in hosting me and, and giving me the all-time experience because most times when I come to cities, I'm not there you know, necessarily with somebody from the city. Right. And so you guys were able to give me the whole, I guess, uh, culture of the city, which is incredible. Thank you. I'm so glad that you loved where I'm from. I love it, but mm-hmm. um, it was it was also fun to show you just because you being from the Pacific Northwest, it's totally, it's like if I went to where you're from, I would have no idea what to expect. Right. I've never been. So I love that you loved it. It made me so happy. Well, we have a really, really good show today. And I say that because we have not one, but two guests coming in for the assist. I know. And so in order to do that, just because we wanted to give our guests the full platform of, of the topics that they wanted to talk about. So we are only doing two topics for our three pointers Mm -hmm. in this podcast, but I think you guys will enjoy it. So I would say uh, we'll probably just dive right in, Heil. Let's do it. Well, joining us now for the first assist, he spent nine seasons uh, count and counting, I should say, in professional baseball and is host of the very popular podcast, The Robbie Rose Show. Welcome in, my friend, Robbie Rowland. How are you? Dude, I'm so good. You're so good at that. Holy smokes. That was amazing. Like, you just sound like I want to listen to you. See, I need to capture that. I don't know what it is, but like, I need I need, I need, need to take notes. I'm actually going to pull out a notepad right now and take notes from you. So, gonna- hey, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be on here. And yeah, let's, let's do this thing. Okay. So just so people know, they're like, how the heck do you know this guy? Well, I covered right. Robbie back in uh, Missoula, Montana, which is one of the coolest cities in America. Mm. And he was playing rookie ball for the Diamondbacks. And mm. he said he was a Zags fan. Mm. And I about mm. fell off my chair. Mm. Because yeah. I'm from Spokane. And I'm like, yeah. why are you a Zags fan? Well, 
let's uh, let's let's rewind that. And I thought you were going to tell the story of how we met me being a country music singer in Nashville and you <laughs> discovering me. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. No, Zags fan, because, you know, my boy, Adam Morrison. Dude, yes. so, I mean, I was a basketball player growing up. And it's so I funny know. when I tell people that because, like, they think I'm like the Woody Harrelson character from White Man Can't Jump. You know, like the guy that's, like, designed specifically for, like getting hustled on the yeah. at the park. But no, I was like a basketball player growing up. Like I was looking at places to play and uh, fell in love with the Zags when I like followed that, what was that? Oh, I want to say 07, 08 season yeah. with yep. like Pendergraph and, and all those guys. And I just started watching like almost all of their games. I was like, dude, this is great. Mark Few, like one of the greatest coaches ever. Yep. Um, shoot, throw it back even more. Dan Dickow. Dan I remember Dickow. watching him. Yeah, what oh, a stud. Cool. Yeah. And, uh, and I was just like, you know what? I love the culture that they created. Like, I just love the way they played. And then like, as a ball player myself, um, basketball, that is, I was like, you know, started thinking about potential schools that I wanted to go play at. And, and Gonzaga was like one of the first ones that I obviously was like a dream to play. Yeah. And, and then like quickly learned that I had family in Spokane. My mom's actually making a trip in like September. She just told me yesterday, just like how gorgeous it is up there and just like everything about it. Yeah, became a Zags fan and, and like followed him and was just at, like, dude, I was I, I, so this is a funny story. I've never been more heartbroken, I think, in my entire life. And I've gone through some crap than I was when UCLA made that comeback in the Sweet 16. Adam oh, Morrison's. Yeah, I don't year. want to talk. I don't that, no, talk I'm not that. like I was. I, I remember where I was like I had my all my Zags gear on. I was at my girlfriend's house, my first ever girlfriend's house. And like literally <laughs> in eighth grade. And I'm trying to like impress the parents or whatnot. And like I'm all happy because they're up big. Like they were playing really well. And they, they make that comeback and screaming Gus Johnson, all these memes come. And like I'm like so butthurt, dude. I like oh, remember yeah. going to school the next day. And uh, yeah, no idea why I'm I'm still talking, but yeah, big Zags fan for sure. Yeah, yeah, their their program like now they're nationally known. They're I mean, yeah, that's like a legit program. No, it yeah, no, it really is. And and like strength of schedule, that that was like always their thing. And now like Mark Fuse like designing their schedule preseason, and I think they're they're on the up and up for sure. Yeah, well, and people maybe should learn how to say Spokane and Gonzaga, but anyways, that's besides the point. <laughs> So speaking of, so we know Robbie's a basketball player, obviously from that story. And then he was selected 88th overall in MLB draft. You come from a baseball family Mm. and then you've started this phenomenal podcast. Tell, tell the people out there what this is about. And it's really like educating people about the game, right? Mm. You're so kind. Oh man. I I just, I I love when people say like, I'm doing a good work. That's so cool. Um, No, but but yeah, first of all, thank you for the kind words. Second of all, um, so it's funny story, right? So obviously I love to talk and my original description of my podcast was like, it was kind of like funny. It was, uh, what was it? It was, uh, I used to get kicked out a lot in high school for talking too much. Like this is my outlet. And uh, honestly, like the foundation you know, was like, I really do love to talk and I love to network with other people and and hear their story. And I remember I was in Puerto Rico playing winter ball and literally every night it was like right when Instagram feature, like had that live feature, you can go on live and talk to people. And uh, it was right around that time. I started going Instagram live every night and I would bring on like teammates on that that Puerto Rico winter ball team. And and mind you, this is the team that we won like the Caribbean series. So like we got some dudes and I would bring them, bring them to the apartment. Like we'd get on Instagram live. I'd crush four pounds of steak and we just talk. (laughs) And it'd be like, you know, everyone was kind of like, dude, like you're actually pretty good at that. Like interview 
stuff. And I was like, yeah, you know, I, I like to talk. And then so finally, like the idea came about, about like having a podcast. So, of course, like me being me and my personality of like mm-hmm. wanting to do it all on my own, I was just like, start diving into it. Right. Start just like, OK, how do I do it? Blah, blah, blah. And it's actually fairly pretty easy you know, how to go about that. But yeah. The, and then it, as it uh, as it kind of progressed, it was like really the foundation for for why I started and why I continue to want to do it is because, you know, there's I had the ability growing up as a kid to have a father that played in the big leagues. Right. Mm -hmm. And not everyone has that advantage, like growing up, like these kids that that love the game and want to, you know, aspire to play it at the next level, maybe, you know, potentially don't have the outlet to go to someone that can provide that information to better equip them for their journey. And we live in a day and age, 2019, man, where like access is so like it's at our fingertips, like anything we want to know is like right there. So I was like, okay, like I have this sense of responsibility after, you know, the culmination of so many years in professional baseball and playing with so many great individuals and having, you know, tutelage under so many great instructors and whatnot. I was like, I have a sense of responsibility to give that back in some way, shape or form. And uh, I kind of just took the social media. Like I've, I've always kind of been active on social media. I love to you know interact with people. It started kind of with like, shout out MySpace, Tom. Oh, God. With that. And, uh, <laughs> and it kind of <laughs> progressed to Twitter and stuff and then like Instagram and then podcasting and, and now my website and all of this stuff. And it's kind of just continuing to grow. But yeah, that's really like the foundation of it is is just, you know, a couple different things as far as me loving to talk, loving to network, loving to bring other people on and hear their story and, and just provide as much you know information as possible. Because at the end of the day, like I don't know all the answers and I don't have all of the good insights, but I have the ability to reach out to somebody that is better equipped to explain a specific subject and like have them on the show and then dive into it. And then it's like, wow, like we just killed two birds with one stone. So I think I think that is so that is so cool, so fascinating. And uh, I do it for the kids that, you know, really want that that info in, in that content. So, yeah, it's been it's been a fun ride. Well, Kayla and I have had an ongoing conversation about the decline in interest in Major League Baseball. So coming from a player and someone who grew up around the game, do you see it? And what are your thoughts on what MLB has to do better to keep these fans coming back for more or keep the interest level very high? That's such a, that is such a good question, right? Like that is like, there's so many different, as soon as you asked that, I was like, okay, which path, like which avenue am I going to start talking about? Cause there's, there's so many different ones that we can dive into as far as like, it's, it's always kind of been known for that old man's game, right? Like where the older people will like, oh, hey, like, let's go get all their lawn chairs and go watch a game (laughs) and eat peanuts. Like, you Mm -hmm. know, that's like what, and we're trying to make it younger. And I honestly, like I used to be kind of, you know, bitter towards MLB and the way they market it. Cause you know, you look at the M- NBA and the, the NFL and they yep. market it really, really well. But yeah. you know what? I watched that all-star game this year and yes. they did such a good job. Yes. Yeah. We talked about this last week. I'm, yes. I'm, so, I'm Yeah. Like, no, I'm, I'm really excited that you guys like saw that. Cause like, not, I, I think, you know, the, the individuals that know the game yep. really pointed that out or noticed it. And, uh, and then everyone else was kind of like, yeah, yeah, whatever. But that's the society, society we live in too, right? Like, sure. like hand in hand, like everyone, you know, is kind of just like, everything's like the normal now. I thought the home run derby, my girl, uh, Marley Rivera, I met her in, in Mexico for the Caribbean series. Yeah. She's great. And like having her on the field and like translating that, great. You know, that was amazing. And yeah. then just like the microphone on the field, like that was, I thought they went about that so great. And then I kind of have this other opinion that, that may be unpopular, but like, you know, if you're trying to target the people that, you know, aren't fascinated with that kind of stuff about the game, mm-hmm. then 
then we don't want them as fans to be quite honest yeah. with you. You know, like that's the blunt truth. Yeah. But you know, I, I think the game is, is, um, I just think the game in, in its in its natural form is just so beautiful. You know, yep. me being a kind of a baseball nerd and, and honestly just loving the the game and and the ins and outs of the game, right? Like I watch a game probably differently than you know ninety percent of the ninety five ninety eight percent of the world because there's so many like little things that you notice that are pure beauty. So I think going about it in a sense of how can we market the way that baseball players yeah. view the game? How can yeah, we yeah. like actually make the the average person yep. understand that it's not just like the game? Like it's not just what you see, you know, outside looking in. Like there's this thing that we call the game within the game. Like how yeah. can we best market that? And I think, like I said, alluded to earlier, the, the society we live in with all of this technology and all of this access, like kids are eight years old on phones now. It's freaking crazy. Mm -hmm. So how can we start promoting that right and um and i think we're going to figure it out and i think they're doing a really good job with marketing it and it's going to be exciting moving forward but as far as like the way they're trying to change the game to make it more exciting i'm obviously a, a ball player so i i have the opinion of like the game is beautiful as it is but i i completely see like where they're coming from i'm not bitter towards it but you know i guess whatever it takes to still promote its pure beauty of it but yeah, another ramble session from me. So <laughs> no, I, it's it's so fascinating <laughs> that you said that because I just wrote this huge article for um, one of my opinion pieces, and literally everything you said is pretty much what's in my article. But mm. one of the things that you pointed out in there was taking time to sit back and enjoy the beauty of this game. Me being mm. a baseball junkie and understanding this game, it's easy, I guess, for me to say like I can see like why this game is so awesome to me. But I, I also wrote in the article, like, what is it going to hurt to like get your kids involved in this game, you know, early and make them understand, maybe sit down, sit back for a second, get off your phones, not have to like watch something that's always going on, like always quick action and enjoy a game that you can actually sit down and digest the game. Mm. And really like, that's what kids aren't doing. So I think it's easy for them for them to say like, we're not interested in baseball, but maybe if someone sits them down and says, Hey, look, like maybe like, let's go to a game and like actually sit and watch it, you know, and not be on our phones or whatever, because like you mentioned, it is such a beautiful game. And so I loved that point that you made. Um, I'm not well, going to go it's like a, that, Yeah, no, it's like a relationship thing too, though. Like, I mean, growing up for me, obviously like going to games and stuff, but um, as I got older and uh, it, it was like, that was the, the time that you cherished with the people people that you went to the game with because yeah. you had these, these in between play moments, you know, where you can like discuss things, right? Mm -hmm. Like you go to a basketball game and it's like so fast paced or a football game, maybe it's a little bit better, but there's, it's constantly action. Right. And you yeah. kind of get in that position where you don't want to like talk to anyone or you'll miss something. The baseball environment for me, you know, has always been like wanting to, you know, take grandpa to a game or, or, mm -hmm. or take, you know, mom to a game because just sitting there and like soaking in the environment again, I, I like, I, and like you, it's a total just baseball nerd type thing where even the environment of a baseball game brings about like something in you, you know what I mean? Yep. Like the concession stands, just the people, the energy that yeah. you're outside, the, all of that brings about something beautiful, but yeah, like going to with somebody and like in between each pitch, like 
you know, explaining, hey, sure. you know, he just threw like a, he just started him off with a breaking ball. Right. He didn't throw a first strike. So now he's got to establish that he potentially can't throw a first strike, but maybe later in the county can throw it in the dirt at will to make, you know, strike. like there's so many like things in it that that when I was growing up, it was like kind of normal to take, you know, the father, take the son to the game and go about, you know, explaining it and, and creating that relationship, creating that dynamic uh, within the, the people that you were going to the game with. But no, you're 100 percent right. I want to read that article, by the way. Is there like a link you can put in the show notes? And- yeah, no, all, it's uh, it's up on WKRN.com and it's mm-hmm. in the sports section. You could probably just Google Kayla Anderson and opinion mm-hmm. and it will pop up. So, yeah, you, you should read it and give me your thoughts. Oh, my goodness. Um, so I wanted to talk about a subject that I think you're going to find is hilarious. Well, not hilarious, but I know you're going to have opinion on it. So I know that you know that home runs are at an all-time high this season. And during this year's All-Star Game, Justin Verlander made a comment, which, by the way, I have been talking about for the last, like, six months, by the way, just about baseball in general. And then when we've really seen it, like, the home runs this year increase, I've had this conversation with Ella so many times, and he made a comment about MLB juicing the balls. So my question is – what do you think's going on? Because something is like different. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I do want to stay. Justin Verlander <laughs> wins at life, right? So I, I, I can't disagree with the guy. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm not in the big leagues. I can't speak for like what's going on up there. Right. I know from being in a couple big league camps that the balls actually are different. Just they're naturally different than any other baseball that you play with in minor leagues and you know I was in the fall league winter ball all of these baseballs like they're different apparently I was talking to a buddy that was up there as well and he was just saying how like they're potentially a little bit lighter but they're also like they're strung tighter right okay. so like okay. it's just I I don't know if I can put this into a visual but like the the way that the seams are they're tighter seams sure. which makes the ball actually like feel lighter because it's tighter i just mm-hmm. rhymed um yeah get it like get it right and, get it <laughs> and then there's this dynamic right and this is like the more i think the real reason the dynamic of the evolution of athletes in baseball the evolution of like identifying what gets you a a job and b money gets you paid right yeah. and that is throw hard and hit home runs, like whatever yep. that takes. And I think we've seen like, not even just in the game of baseball or sports in general, but we've seen in life and the constant evolution of human beings that, you know, it's adapt or die. So we know now that like, okay, I got to adapt, you know, I got to, I got to set certain protocols in my day to make sure that I'm giving myself the best possible you know, situation to succeed in this game or actually even just get an opportunity in this game. And that's train your freaking tail off because we need to be physically acclimated to hit home runs and throw hard, you know? So it's kind of like you see the both sides of it. So I think, you know, we can talk about the home runs going up. We can talk about, you know, how, why pitchers are throwing harder. And I think it's just because it's one of those scenarios where it is adapt or die. Like it's, it's like, Hey, home runs pay, you know, like, it's no secret. Look at the, the history of the game. Like guys who hit home runs, they get paid. And now the secret is out that organizations really don't care if you strike out freaking 200 times a year. But if you get 50 taters, then you're fine. Same with kind of the pitching side of it as well, where 
you know, the secret is out in organizations where like you can have a guy that's sitting 88 and has a two in dubs, but uh, sits 88 or tops 88. And then you have a guy in extended spring training who, you know, sits 97, but can't throw a strike and has a nine ERA. Like that guy's going to get more opportunities than the other guy, even though the other guy obviously, you know, outside looking in succeeding at this game. And I think it's the same with hitting too. It's like we get into this environment where teams are paying for runs, right? It's like that scene in Moneyball. Like that's a real thing. You know, mm-hmm. you you pay you pay for runs. And what drives in runs, right? Like home runs. So I think it's both. It, I mean, it could be both. Like I said, I can't really speak from personal experience about the baseballs. It could definitely be a thing. I don't think that's an accident. But um, to shed a little bit more light on, I think, the whole evolution of adapt or die is, like uh, is, is more prevalent, I think, to me and people who listen. So, yeah, no, great question. Hot topic, though. Hot, hot. take Coming for to sure. Hot, hot topic. Real hot. Yeah. Good thing I've had like nine cups of coffee already. So I'm ready <laughs> right? for this. <laughs> well, Robbie, uh, if, you, if you look at the league as a whole this season, who's really standing out to you and what teams are you impressed with? especially entering the second half of the season. So did you see the stat on like the Nationals pitching staff? I just saw it. Like I literally glanced at it. No, we didn't. It was like 27 straight starts for Nationals pitchers without a loss, like the starter without a loss. I think. I Don't quote me on that, but I literally saw maybe it was 22. But if someone has a Google machine in front of them, they could look at it. Most impressive to me is Justin Verlander's ability to not age – and I think yeah. he's going to throw until he's 65 years old oh, and still throw 95 plus. Like the dude is incredible. The dude is like unreal. And also Max Scherzer, like I honestly, I hate to say this on air and I haven't said it in public yet, but I'm an honest man. I uh, predicted him to kind of start his decline mm-hmm. as of now, mm-hmm. but um, he's impressive. I say that now and he's hurt, but uh, you know, whatever. I think from the hitting side, like what Yelich and Bellinger are doing yeah. is freaking great. And they're, great they're for not the game. big guys. No. And that's why I say, I think it's great for the game too, right? Like same thing in the NBA with the Steph Curry dynamic where people can look at that and go, wow, like I kind of look like a Steph Curry. Right. You know, I can do this. Right. And I think it's the same for the baseball side where, you know, you sometimes you look at pitchers and you're like, well, he's six twelve, like three twelve, and uh, maybe I'm not going to be physically like that, so maybe I can't do it. But you look at like the hitting side, and, and for the home runs, it was always like the McGuire's and Sosa's roided out, freaking huge forearm dudes that were right. hitting taters. And now it's like you know you have these tall, skinny guys, or even like short Bregman guys, which yeah. Altuve, like this is great. You know, but uh, but yeah, I think the game, it's man, it's so freaking cool. Like I could talk about this all day, like so many different dynamics. I think rookies now, the evolution of the game, like when my dad played, he always talks about how, you know, organizations were so, I guess, like gun shy when it came to putting the young rookies up in the big leagues. Now it's like, oh, hey, you're 19 years old. Go up there and compete. And they're freaking going up there and they're freaking doing it. Look at yep. like guys like Soroka, who's up there. Potential. He's in the Cy Young winning, you know, and he's yeah. like, I don't know how old. I was just watching a guy from the Padres, 20-year-old dude from the Padres, Andres, I forget his last name. But uh, he's throwing 102. He's 20 years old and just shoving it and has this like mentality on him like yo you can't freaking hit me mm-hmm. and uh where it was like the game was like back at, you know 10 years ago even when I first like when I first got drafted the game was like you had all these veterans who 
you know, like laid down the law basically on these rookie guys and was like, hey, don't show up the game. And now, you know, we got to make the game exciting and all this stuff. And the other cool dynamic, and uh, I hate to bag on other people, but like what's so cool about the game is you have guys like Harper and Machado Mm -hmm. who are getting paid like so well and they're not talked about now because like the game is the game. And even though you've established you being an elite player, like you can still have bad years. Whereas like basketball and football, like you're kind of going to be established as a guy that can drop, you know, 25 a game. And that's always going to be there. You're not going to really go away from that or, you know, whatever in football, but baseball, like you can still be an elite guy, but have that down year, have that slump you know, and, and go through those trials and tribulations of a season. And you can also be the guy that's making league minimum, but has a great year. I was watching uh, the closer for the A's, Liam Hendricks, you know, like he's kind of been a career, like four ERA guy. And all of a sudden, boom, like something clicks this year. He's an yep. all-star. He's got a sub two. Like yep. that is so freaking cool how, you know, things happen like that. You know, guys make those like little adjustments and all of a sudden they have a all-star year. They go from literally like not no one knowing the name of the person. Now you're an all-star and you're on the biggest stage. Like that is so freaking cool. And uh, I think if, again, that goes back to the first question, right? Like if we market that and we market that uniqueness of the sport and its ability to have that kind of like thing, like I think we can gain a lot more of the attention of like those kids, you know, that aspire to be athletes when they grow up. Well, Robbie, we have loved having you on for uh, our assist today. <laughs> you just, you seriously brought a whole nother type of, I guess, insight to everything because being yeah. a player and everything, I think you look at things a little bit different. I think people can learn from, so we appreciate you going on. And I want you to tell all the people out there that listen, where can they go to follow you on social? And then of course, I think you have, a, you have your mm. own website too for the Robbie Rowe show. Yeah, it's be- a better question is where you can't follow me. Um, I am not on TikTok. Oh I'm not, you cannot follow me on TikTok. I'm everywhere, dude. It's like it's 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 bad. It's bad. Uh, I'm everywhere. I, I like to have a voice. Instagram's my most probably active. Robbie Row one two. Robbie with a Y. Holler at your boy. Twitter Robbie Row underscore one two. Uh, YouTube is I think just Robbie Rowland. Uh, website is Robbie or no sorry the Robbie Row Show dot com again Robbie with a Y. Uh, MySpace is just my name. <laughs> um, God. Where, 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 there is no MySpace oh, anymore, Robbie. There's not? Uh, no. no? I'm trying to bring it back. Is it not happening? <laughs> no. I looked the other day if I could find my old account. Well, they're doing it like it's a it's a music thing now, no? Like that's oh. where we're going to go on to establish our country music stardom. Oh. That's what we got to do. No? That's I thought the music thing brought it out. Is it not even a thing anymore? I don't, I don't think, think so. so. Yeah. Holy smokes. Robbie's I've living in like smoke, 1990. I was too young for MySpace. Yeah. Okay. Don't <sighs> don't point old. out how we're older than you. I know. That just that just happened. I gotta <laughs> like, go do some get, push-ups let's now. Get, let's not have that conversation. <laughs> Holy smokes. That just happened. That's real. Oh my god. Well no, Robbie, though, we really appreciate you coming on. No, that's great. I, I encourage you if you're baseball fans or just a fan of somebody who's entertaining and want to watch someone who's entertaining, go follow Robbie. Oh my gosh. We hilarious. watched your Instagram live yesterday and just we couldn't breathe. We were laughing so hard the whole time. <laughs> yeah. I love how you watched the one where I I have my cheat meal and I'm just crushing like great. nine Domino's pizzas. <laughs> that was that was what was so fun about it. Um, yeah, no, thanks yeah. again, buddy, for coming on, and uh, we look forward to following you and and the success yeah. of your your own career here in podcast. Yeah, business. absolutely. No, hey, thanks thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. That was fantastic. Thanks, bud. 
Look at world's tech leaders and high growth startup CEOs. I bet you wonder how in the world they have that kind of inexhaustible energy to do what they do. The answer will surprise you. The latest trend with top tech leaders is sleep optimization. While most Americans are not getting the sleep they need, tech founders and CEOs are optimizing their sleep to perform at peak level every day. The first step, the pod by Eight Sleep, the ultimate sleep machine. The pod is the first and only high-tech bed designed to help you achieve peak mind and body performance. Are you looking to sleep deeper? The pod dynamically adjusts the temperature on each side of the bed so you're comfortable all night. Do you want to know your sleep intel? The pod tracks your biometrics while you sleep with no need for wearable technology. Do you want to sleep better? Enjoy personalized programs and coaching designed by experts guiding you towards true sleep fitness. Because the better you sleep, well, the better you do everything. Try the pod for 100 nights and if you don't love it, we'll refund your purchase and arrange a free pickup only at 8sleep.com slash bluewire. They already sold out of their first two batches, so they are going fast. For a limited time, get $150 off your purchase when you go to 8sleep.com slash bluewire. 8sleep.com slash bluewire. Well, joining us now for the second assist today, we welcome in 24-7 Sports, Alan Bell. Alan, what's up, my friend? Hey, what's up? Y'all doing all right? We are. We're still in Philly, actually. So we, we're actually recording a podcast together, which is rare. We're usually <laughs> in different cities. Nice. Well, you know what? I like it that uh, you're finally together. I get to be a part of it. I know, right? Yeah. Well, we appreciate you coming on, uh, Alan, and Ella's going to jump right into it. Yeah, it's it's finally here, right? The start of NFL training camp. It feels like Christmas. And I know you're based in Tennessee. So before we look at the entire league, let's first take a look at the AFC South. The Colts looked really good towards the end of last season. And Andrew Luck was back to his ways. The Jags now have Nick Foles for the Titans, Mike Rabel in his second season as a head coach. And then for the Texans, Deshaun Watson has to find success. What do you think we'll see from the AFC South this season? Yeah, I think you're going to see arguably the best division in football. Like, I think all four teams are playoff teams. We saw, obviously, last year with two of them. Um, and then you look at the Titans and Jaguars. The Jaguars might be the best team in the entire division, right? Wow. They just have to figure out. Yeah, they just have to figure out what's going on in their locker room. Yeah, I think the division is going to be really difficult. Um, the Colts obviously own it. Um, somebody's going to have to knock them off their perch, but it's doable. You know, they're a solid team, um, obviously built through the draft, and their GM, Chris Ballard, has done a great job. But, you know, again, I mean, there's three other teams that are willing and able to do it. They just have to step up and do it. So you look at, like, the Titans. I know that's kind of been, you know, their uh, bugaboo to say. Uh, <laughs> it's really been a cult. You know what I mean? So it's like yeah. they can do it. I mean, if they can take the Patriots and the Eagles down last year, there's no reason they can't beat the Colts. They just have to get it done. So I think you're looking at a division that's going to be really good. But especially in Jacksonville, you look at Nick Foles, their new quarterback. He really doesn't have to do a ton. Just don't be Blake Bortles. Don't turn the ball over. Yes. And really just get that locker room, you know, kind of bring some leadership to it. And again, you know, they're, they're a team that could arguably battle for a Super Bowl. So we'll see. I think it's going to be, like I said, it, it's probably going to end up as, if not the one of the toughest divisions in the NFL this year. Absolutely, Alan. Well, the 2018 NFL Draft featured four quarterbacks taken in the top 10. And those guys are now entering year two of their careers. Some in better situations, obvious, 
differently than others. Who do you think out of Mayfield, Darnold, Allen, and Rosen will take the biggest leap from that year one to year two? Yeah, so that, that's a great question. So I think Baker Mayfield is going to end up being probably the most, let's say, heralded quarterback uh, mm-hmm. out of that group. He's certainly going to have so much you know, press around him this year with Cleveland and everything that they've done. And, you know, if he looks like he did last year, he's going to be the class of that class, so to say. Um, but I think Sam Darnold in New York is really going to have a good year. His big deal last year uh, was really turnovers. And, yeah. you know, it, it's easy to do in the NFL, especially as a rookie. I mean, if you look back and remember Peyton Manning, when he was a rookie with Indianapolis, he set the NFL rookie record for, uh, for interceptions, right? Like, so yeah. it's easy to do. It, it, this is a very difficult league to come in, especially when your team, at least offensively, isn't that good. But he's got Adam Gaze, new head coach, who knows what he's doing, at least offensively. Uh, they added Le'Veon Bell. So he's got some pieces there, and he's got a better defense, too. So I think we'll hear more, certainly, about Baker Mayfield. But look out for Sam Darnold. Josh Allen's in a tough spot. His accuracy is just not great. Couple that with a Buffalo team who's just not very good at all. And kind of the same thing with Rosen. I'm interested to see him in Miami this year. He's got to battle Fitzpatrick for that job. But I think Rosen could be a good quarterback. Uh, But we'll see what last year did to him. That can really mess with your head. Sure. Uh, So we'll see if he he got out of that funk. But, yeah, I mean, Baker and Darnold, they're going to be leaps and bounds above everyone else. And uh, we'll see if they can, you know, kind of build off last year and uh, continue their progress. Well, now we look at the 2019 NFL draft. Kayla and I talked at length during our draft show on this podcast about possible sleeper picks. What team do you think snagged a low-grade guy who could be a breakout star in the league, really looking forward to seeing him kick off his career this season? Well, you know, that's a great question. And I think that this draft was really good. I think, you know, here in Nashville, you know, Tennessee yeah. and A.J. Brown, I think not only – is he going to be a really good player? But he goes to a fit, right? And that's the whole deal is that you've got to go to a place where they really can utilize you and they've got the coaching staff and really, you know, the, the economics built around you to do it. So I think that was a great pick. You know, even, you know, if you look in the first round, I think there are a lot of, you know, players that we knew that they were going to go high, but the team, you know, just made a solid pick because other teams didn't take the guy, right? So right. if you look at like, the Oakland Raiders, you know, at number four, they take Cleveland Farrell, right? Mm-hmm, so yeah. that was a solid hit. But then right after it, Devin White goes to Tampa Bay. And I think he arguably could be, he could be the best player in this draft. So, you know, we'll see about that. I love the Broncos going with Noah Fant in the first round. That was I a love solid Noah. Pick yeah. Yeah, that was a really solid pick. I think, yeah, Montez Sweat. I know that, mm-hmm. you know, leading <clears throat> up to the draft, there's a lot of talk about, you know, he might end up in Nashville. But I think him going to Washington, especially with all the defensive talent they have from the SEC, you know, he could be a real fit. And let's be honest, the best pick in terms of statistical analysis at, after this season, the best pick is probably going to end up being the Kale Harry, uh, wide receiver that went to the New England Patriots. It was the 32nd pick uh, in the first round because New England ha- legitimately has no wide receivers and they lost yeah. Rob Gronkowski. So, yep. yeah, so Nikita Harry is going to immediately jump in as a starter. We've seen what, they, what New England has done with their running back court, uh, but they need a wide receiver badly. Like Julian Edelman is not good enough to do it by himself. So Nikhil's going to jump in to an immediate spot. Uh, I love that pick. So I think after this season, there might be better players, uh, but Nikhil Harry is going to be the one that shows out the most. 
Okay, so we all love the drama that unfolds during professional seasons, whether that be in the NBA or, you know, the NFL, which we're talking about here. There's so many interesting storylines coming into this season. Just to name a few, you have the Cliff Kingsbury experiment in Arizona. You got the Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur combo going on in Green Bay. And then you have the question, are are the Browns a legitimate contender this year? What storylines intrigue you? Yeah, the Browns is that, that's definitely a big storyline, and it's gonna it, it's gonna intrigue us all season, right? Yeah, I mean, there's so many of them. Like if you look at <laughs> if you look at the Oakland Raiders, right? So yeah. they're gonna be on hard. Track. There's so much drama going on out there. They've got a quarterback that I know John Gruden says, you know, Derek Carr's his guy, but we'll see because that being John Gruden's guy, not ten minutes, right? Like he's the shortest relationship guy yes. ever. So we'll see. We'll see about that. <laughs> Uh, they got Antonio Brown. Um, they're moving to Las Vegas next year. So there's a ton of drama going on around that. Look at Pittsburgh, right? Pittsburgh's yeah. a solid team in the last 10 years. They've got the second best record in the NFL. But is it going to be addition by subtraction with Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell? Right. And people are already going for Mike Tomlin's head out there. They have been for years. Yeah. And, and I mean, you look at Baltimore. Look at Baltimore. If you look at the AFC North, we talk about Cleveland and we talk about Pittsburgh you know, them getting the love. Well, people forget that Baltimore was the playoff team last year, and they've got a quarterback who they, they're building an entire brand-new playbook this offseason for Lamar Jackson. So if they can build a playbook to where they can utilize his arm but keep his legs as a threat, I mean, that team's already the playoff team in the AFC sure. North, and they're going to do nothing to get better. And if you look at what they did this offseason, I know they lost to Darius Smith, but them adding Mark Ingram and adding uh, Earl Thomas in the secondary, yeah. those are two huge additions. Right. So they could arguably get better. Uh, you look at, the, you know, the AFC West. Right. Like I think Denver's going to get better uh, with Vic Fangio as their new head coach, but they're not there yet. But Kansas City, you know, they've lost Kareem Hunt. They've lost multiple pieces on their defense. Um, are they going to be the same team that they were last year? And, and I, I think that's Mahomes, arguably best quarterback in the league. But it's going to be hard to have 50 plus touchdowns again sure. year. You know, back. it's just impossible to do so. Yeah, long story short, I mean, there are so many good storylines this year. And the crazy thing is this, uh, there's only two quarterback battles across the entire NFL. Usually there's, you know, nine, eight, nine. There's only really two of them. And it's really going to come down to Miami, who's going to win that battle between Ryan Fitzpatrick or uh, Josh Rosen. So mm-hmm. there's, and, and, and Washington, you know, that's the other one. But we pretty much all think Dwayne Haskins is going to win that job. It's just, you know, win more than if. So, yeah, that, that's crazy. Uh, all teams generally have their quarterback. You don't see that very often. No. Well, we talked – you just mentioned a lot of offenses. 2018 was an offense-heavy season. A lot of games were high-scoring, and there seems to be a trend for organizations to seek that next offensive-minded coach ever since Sean McVay found quick success in L.A. What do you expect to see this season in terms of high-scoring offenses? Well, you're certainly going to see that again, right? Like, the league is set up to do that. It just depends on how they go about it. I think what you're seeing now, and it's something that, that we've all talked about for a couple of years now, the teams that are doing well are either you have Bill Belichick and he's just a football savant, or you play to your strengths, right? So we're seeing these teams that are building more and putting more you know, RPO and spread tendencies yep. into their offenses because if you look at the college game, like the hardest thing to find is a quarterback. But the second hardest thing to find is offensive linemen because offensive linemen in college coming out, they all run this spread offense, right? So mm-hmm. if you take them, put them in the NFL, and, and they're not spaced correctly, that's why a lot of them can't really do it. You're seeing so many guards that try to go to right tackle. 
uh, in different positions like that. So I think, you know, this Cliff Kingsbury style offense and the Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, like this kind of pro set with a lot of spread tendencies is going to continue. I think Matt LaFleur is going to do a lot of that as well in Green Bay. So I think you're going to continue to see it. But I think that, you know, Kingsbury is going to have a lot of eyes on him this year. And if you, if you watch Arizona, the biggest problem last year, they didn't really they didn't have any talent. They weren't a good team at all. But they were very slow on offense. Well, Kingsbury runs a very quick, very fast-paced offense. And you're going to see Kyler Murray running that. And they're generally going to run, you know, two to three plays roughly per minute, which just by sheer numbers is going to be completely different than what they did last year. So you're going to see a lot more stats and a lot more quick plays. So, you know, we'll see if that works out. But, yeah, I mean, long story short, like, I think that's where the offense is going. But, again, everything in the NFL is cyclical. So once everyone does that, then, you know, the next team, you know, in 2020 or whenever that goes to hire a coach, they're going to go defensive because everybody's going off. That's the fun thing. Yeah. Well, Alan, we really appreciate you hopping on the podcast today. You had some great insight for us, and we can't wait to get the season going. And, hey, I'll see you around, and we'll be covering a lot of Titans. So I'm looking forward to this season. Uh, thanks again, buddy, for coming on. And real quick, where can people go to follow you? Yeah, definitely. So uh, I appreciate you all as well. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, yeah, 247sports.com. Uh, you can find us all over there, cbssports.com. Uh, obviously, that's our parent company. And then if you just want to find me on Twitter, Alan Bell 247 easy enough. And uh, we'll talk, see each other on there. You rock, my Thank friend. Thank you. Thank you so much. Have a good day, okay? Me too. Well, one thing that I know got a lot of use here in Philly this weekend was pools <laughs> because it was 102 plus degrees. So this is a really, uh, I guess, great topic because summertime is pool time and all pool owners know the hardest thing about owning a pool is keeping the water safe. Testing your pool water is easy, but figuring out what to put in it, well, that can be a pain. Sutro has solved that problem. Sutro's free pool chemical calculator takes the hassle out of treating your pool. Our simple text-based interface allows you to test text and then treat your pool go to mysutro.com slash blue wire to sign up for sutro's free pool calculator if you own a pool or you have friends or family who do tell them about sutro it's the simple safe and convenient way to keep your pool water safe take the guesswork out of pool work with sutro sign up for free at mysutro.com slash blue wire Well, Kayla, thank you again to Robbie and Alan for coming in for the assist today. They were two fabulous interviews. Let's now go outside the lines real quick. College game day announced stop number one for the Auburn-Oregon game. That's a huge non-conference matchup to kick off the season. But college game day making that announcement, announcing their first city they'll be attending. That means one thing and one thing only, college football is coming. That is right. And I think we have all been counting down the days, uh, not only for the NFL season, but I think college football has really just captured the fans in terms of just more of, I guess, the excitement of college football is is a little bit more for me Mm -hmm. personally, just because these kids are still not professionals. And they're the storylines. I know we always have the Alabama and Clemson that have seemed to be playing in the natty almost every year, but there are always surprises during the college football season. The storylines are so good. And so just seeing that college game day has announced where they're going is really God exciting. God bless the and broken road. 
right? Sure. It's it's awesome. And it's, you know, I, w- I will say this is the Pac-12, uh, it's funny seeing Oregon on there. You know me, I'm from Washington State, so I'm not a big Oregon <laughs> fan. But I will say this, it's good to see a Pac-12 game get a college game day right off the bat. And hopefully they can use something, uh, use that to their advantage because the Pac-12 has been kind of a joke uh, the last few years. And so maybe they can make something of that first game. I'm I'm so pumped. We will have to see. Well, and then the other outside the line topic that I wanted to chat about was the extreme heat all over the country this weekend. And especially when it came to baseball, because these guys had to play in the extreme heat and people still went and watched in the extreme heat, which is pretty crazy. You saw all these pictures of fans like, you know, Dying. with their <laughs> with their towels and yeah, and, and their big ice waters and everything because it was it was crazy. And we actually went to the Phillies game and we literally missed the heat by a day. Yeah. It was still yep. hot. It was hot. It was definitely hot. And it's crazy because it kept was raining on and off throughout the game, but it really wasn't cooling anything down. Usually when it rains it will cool things down a bit, but the second the rain would stop, we would just be still sweating. But we did we did yeah. miss the extreme heat, so I can't even imagine what it felt like out there because we were hot when it hadn't quite hit the heat wave yet. But I give a lot of people credit. I love the love for the game that they're sitting out there in the heat. I mean, we could barely you know walk to our car on Sunday this weekend. Yeah, it's so hot. Yeah, and that's the thing. It was you you kept looking around the country and everybody was kind of experiencing this at least for a day or so. I mean, Philly, we got three days mm-hmm. of it, but I mean other places were at least experiencing a day of a hundred degrees or whatever. So uh, props to the players and the fans for getting through that because man, that yeah. is not easy. Uh, well, it's time for the knockout round, and we had a blast today with our two guests. And now it's all about transitioning really into our new format here. And next week, we're going to pretty much get it out there and pretty much tell you guys what Make we're doing. Moves. Making we've moves. Making moves. Yeah, we've been waiting to do this. We've been planning this for the last couple of months now. We did a photo shoot this weekend and uh, have a lot of good stuff coming your way. I'm so excited. I'm excited to share the photos. I'm excited to share a new logo. Excited to talk about what we've been working on and get this thing rolling. All right. Well, where can the listeners go to follow us and subscribe? So if you're listening right now on iTunes, click that subscribe button. Please leave a rate or review. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for sticking around, especially during this next transition period. We promise this will be the last. Um, And then on social media, on Instagram at Press Pass Pod. And then our personal accounts on Instagram and Twitter at Kayla Anderson TV and at Ella Ditch. All right. Well, thanks, you guys, for tuning in this week. We hope you guys enjoyed our guests and our conversations, and we look forward to having you guys join us next week for our big reveal. Take care and have a great one.